We're so thankful for you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to transition now to a time of speaking. Um, we have Cheryl with us, and we've been um, occasionally having people come and share their faith stories with us. And um, we had Stanley Dahl, who talked about coming to give his life to Jesus from a farm or a ranch in Montana and lumber mill stories and just his faith story going through through that just starting to follow Jesus in that context. And then we had um, Mike Bueller speak. It was a great faith story. He shared about, um, oh, I need to, that's right. Children, don't forget your shoes, kids. Don't forget your shoes. We have, well, that's one thing. Grab your shoes before you go, kids. <laughs> the kids get to go to children's church. We are a barefoot church of some sort because they, sometimes the kids will end up, they might not today, but sometimes they end up outside and then they all come running in to get their shoes. <laughs> yeah, come on up, Cheryl. So um, as I was saying, we've been doing a faith, um, we sometimes share our faith stories and Mike Bueller shared his about um, growing up in Southern California and getting involved with stuff that wasn't very healthy and about parenting challenges and just about Jesus just coming back to him over and over again. And he was reluctant to follow Jesus, but ultimately he learned to put his trust in Jesus. That's a great testimony. So yeah, it was so, and he's happy now. <laughs> there he is, for those of you who were wondering who I'm talking about. And so just every once in a while, we're going to have someone share their faith story. And today we have Cheryl B. And, and we're so, we call her Cheryl B because she serves in Southeast Asia and, um, we, we like to keep, we, we keep her name private for travel purposes and things like that and security. But Cheryl works in with unreached frontier missions groups. And um, I was she's spoken before about missions, but the other day she was telling me that she um, met her friend who led her to the Lord and she was telling me this story. And I was like, Cheryl? You need to tell that story. I want, we want to hear that faith story of how you came to faith. And um, so we're really blessed to have you sharing with us. And I'm just going to pass the baton to you. We will just turn this on for her. There we go. Okay. Well, it's good to be back here again with you guys. Right before I head back to um, my new country assignment, I get to go on Pentecost Sunday, um, which is pretty cool to, for a day. To, I didn't even pick it. It was like, wow, okay. So, joke for you. So there's this atheist scientist, and he comes to God and says, we figured out a way to make a man. And God's like, okay, great, show me. So the atheist reached down, grabs a handful of dirt, and God says, oh, no, you don't. Put the dirt down. <laughs> Get your own dirt. <laughs> so I was an atheist um, before I became a Christian. I, um, I thought the idea of an all-knowing, all-powerful um, ever-present God was just ridiculous. I, um, I, um, was a, I was a mocker. I used to make fun of the Christians. I was a real party girl. I, um, I lived in the dorms. This was back when I was at, uh, back in the, the late 80s. Um, I, was, I went to San Jose State in California. And um, um, 
I, I used, like I said, I used to make fun of them. And, um, but, but um, I pretended to be a good girl. I, you know, I was going to college and I was doing the right things, but um, I lived the wildlife. I, I think I broke almost every ten, uh, of all of the 10 commandments, you name it, I did it. So anyway, um, why don't you show the first slide there, uh, the picture of me. So uh, this, is, uh, this is me back in geology days. So there, there is that big mountaintop in the area. I was out in my field camp, and um, uh, um, I... Um, sorry, I'm just a little nervous. So anyway, um, you, maybe you don't recognize me there. Let's go to the next slide. So there, there is me. Now you can see what I, I, I look like. There's my face, and I'm rocking the big glasses there. Um, I, I want to know what you guys think. Do you think, um, do you think who, was, who was cooler, Mike Bueller with his big hair or me with my big glasses? We're going to take, take a vote. <laughs> anyway, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I was not, not a nice girl. Um, and um, these guys, they said over me after I came to the Lord, they're like, if you could get saved, we knew anybody could get saved. Okay, so that's, that's what they were, de they were dealing with, right? Anyway, so I'm going to tell you the story of how I became a Christian today. Um, so let's see, next slide, please, slide four. So it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable, abominable deeds. There is none who does good. And that's how I was. I was just very dark in my thinking that God was so far removed from me. Um, next slide, please. Um, so I didn't grow up going to church. Um, maybe every once in a while, someone would invite me to church um, as a little kid. Maybe went to some Baptist church or uh, had some LDS friends, and they invite me. But I never went to church, and all growing up, I, I never did any of that. Um, I did when I was in high school. I had a guy who came and invited me to come and um, go to some youth groups, and and God started tugging at my heart, and I remember going to the Bible bookstore and kind of like poking around, but they weren't really strong in sharing their faith. They, they would, this guy brought me, this guy named Danny, he would bring me, but he, he didn't really, um, he didn't really um, uh, share, he didn't really say what it meant to be, what was sin and what it meant to believe, and, and then the youth group kind of digressed into just going to the youth group parties. I remember going to a Halloween party and it just, it didn't, it didn't produce life. And so I went into college and I lived the wild life. And um, I, I even won an award in college that said I was most likely to pray to the porcelain God, which meant, okay. So it was, um, yeah, anyway. Um, I remember going to visit my grandma during this time, and my grandma um, was a strong believer. She, um, she taught Sunday school, and um, had, had my, my dad had been raised in a Christian home, but um, I remember talking to her about God and arguing with my grandma, and we went back and forth, and finally, I was such a brat and so argumentative, she just threw up her hand. She goes, I feel like I'm casting pearls before a swine, and I'm like, did my grandmother just call me a pig? <laughs> yeah, so that would be me. So, and tell, um, okay, here, here we go. Oh, you can put that one up. That's next. So, 
church mites. Let's see if you see who gets this one. If you didn't get it, the mice is saying, we'd like to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> okay. So that's me with the unhappy face going, I don't really want to hear this. And those two mice were like, I had two friends that were in geology with me. Uh, one was named um, Kevin and one that was named Steve. Who would share with me all the time? Uh, next slide. Okay, so that is Steve there in the red shirt. And by the way, this is not a bad picture, okay? This, this is a geology field camp picture, and we like the rocks. So the rocks are important there in the picture, okay? So it's, yeah, okay, maybe I was a bad photographer. But anyway, wait, go back. <laughs> so um, um, Steve uh, and Kevin would always share with me about um, the Lord. And um, Steve, though, was... He was very black and white. I think he was a lot, probably a lot like Stanley, um, maybe, because he was like, Cheryl, you need to make a decision. You're going to hell. And I'm like, Steve, I don't believe in your hell, okay? You know, so I just, sometimes he was a little abrasive. But next slide, please. This guy, again, great rock picture there, okay? Um, the... Yeah, yeah, the rocks were more important than the guys. There you go. Uh, this is Kevin. Now, Kevin... He was much better because he would dialogue with me. I would ask questions and he would, he would um, you know, be willing to share and talk and, about things. Because, you know, he would, share, he would share, but I was still very, eh, not, not interested. But I, I was a little, a little intrigued and, and willing to, um, to talk about it. And um, he, uh, he, he, I remember him sharing one time about the supernatural. Um, and I just thought... Oh my gosh, he's talking about demons. This guy is literally crazy. I mean, I really thought he was crazy the first time I, I, I heard it. So be gentle with those who may not understand about um, the, um, the spiritual realm. Um, and one thing they would do, both Kevin and Steve, for years, they would ask me. For years, they would invite me to Bible studies. For years, they would share scriptures. For years, they wore the big Jesus shirts. And, you know, there's no name under heaven by which we must be saved but Jesus. And we would make fun of them. They, they were like, they were just um, a total outcast for the rest of us in, in um, um, there. And but yet they would still keep asking. And, it, and I, I, I want to bring that up to you guys. It may take somebody years. You don't know what's going on in their heart and in their head. So finally, um, just blank slide next. Um, I was my senior year, college, uh, 1987, and I um, taken the year off from work. And so I had some time on my hands and now I couldn't say, oh, too busy to go to your Bible study. I finally, they finally talked me into going. And so they took me to this Bible study, um, and it was, wasn't, it was um, also talked about creation versus evolution, um, which I know that's a hot topic for people, and it's even in the Christian realm about how that works. But um, I really didn't believe there was even a creator. So um, I said, okay, fine. I have run out of excuses. Fine. I will come to your stupid little Bible study. And so I started coming. And um, I remember one of the things that stuck out to me was, um, was just how, how they started talking about how complex creation was. Um, 
And it was really important for me to understand the complexities because I'd come from a background which was all about um, evolution. I was so sure about evolution and survival of the fittest that there was no room in my paradigm, my worldview, that God could be a creator. And they kind of needed to poke some holes in that. And there were two things I remember out of that. And one was this story about a little thing um, called a bombardier beetle. Next slide. Um, so pardon me for a minute while I digress. I'm going to do like a three-minute deep dive. I'm going to read about the bombardier beetle and how amazing it is. And I needed to hear this sort of thing. So I feel like somebody, maybe somebody out there needs to hear this. And for you, those of you who are smart enough to know that there is a creator, um, this should just make you... Um, make you more in awe of God and how he created things. Anyway, so the tiny bombardier beetle um, defense mechanism is amazingly complicated and could only have created, been created with all the parts working together perfectly. From twin exhaust tubes at his tail, this beetle fires into the face of his enemies, boiling hot noxious gases with a loud pop. How can this be? A German chemist discovered that the beetle mixes two chemicals, hydrogen peroxide and hydroquinone, which usually form a dirty, ugly mixture, whatever that is. Sorry, this is a quote from um, the well-designed beetle uses a special inhibitor chemical to keep the mixture from reacting. Then how can the explosion instantaneously occur when needed? The chemists discovered that the beetle's specially designed combustion tubes are uh, in the, the tubes are two enzymes called catalase and perioxidase, which make a chemical reaction go faster, um, a million times faster. These chemicals catalyze at the extremely rapid catalyze the extremely rapid decomposition of hydrogen peroxide into water and oxygen, and the oxygen of hydroquinone uh, and quinine. Um, causing them to violently react and explode, but not so soon as to blow up the beetle, of course. Um, next slide. The valve system is a passive response chamber such that the valves are operated by changes in pressure. When the combustion chamber is empty at atmospheric pressure, the inlet tube is open, allowing the reactants to enter the chamber and exit the tube, um, and the exit tube is closed by the membrane that blocks the bottom part of the tube. Once the chamber is full, the chemicals react and the extremities of the chamber itself, which is shaped like a boxing glove, pinch the inlet tube shut. As the chemical reaction in the chamber progresses, heat is generated and the pressure in the chamber increases until the membrane is forced open near the bottom of the exit tube. Stay with me, people. <laughs> Initial investigations of the chamber itself suggest the chamber's um, structure is of a special heat-resistant material so the beetle does not cook itself. When the hot fluid is ejected, the pressure in the chamber drops, the inlet opens, uh, reopens, allowing more reactants into the chamber, and the process is repeated again and again. This process is called pulse combustion. Okay, one more science slide. Science lecture is almost done. Um, any system involving combustion has to be carefully designed because combustion is dangerous. It is clearly an example 
of irreducible complexity since the combustion system will not work unless all the design features are in place, which means it could not have evolved step by step since a partly evolved system would offer no advantage. In fact, it would be an impediment to the creature's survival and, could be, and would be eliminated by natural selection. Common sense tells us this amazing little insect's cannon, which can fire four or five bombs in succession, could not have evolved piece by piece. Explosive chemicals, inhibitor, enzymes, glands, combustion tubes, sensory communications, muscles to direct the combination tubes, combustion tubes, and reflex nervous systems all had to work perfectly the very first time, or all hopes for beetle, beetles and his children would have exploded. So I know that was a lot, but you know what? My mind was so dark and I so didn't believe I needed to hear all that. I needed to hear that. And it, it really made me realize, it's like, you know, there must be a creator. There must be a creator behind this. Um, uh, but I heard that, but I, I'm a slow learner. You know? <laughs> and even though that, that is as amazing as um, the complexity to come together through evolution is as is, is complex as a 747 coming out of a junkyard because a tornado went through it. Um, I still like, I st still started putting up questions. I'm like, well, what about evolution? There shows that there is evolution. But one of the things I came to learn is that there's, there is evolution, but it's only within a species. There's nothing that shows it goes from one species to a next. So if someone gives you that argument, you can say, yeah, there is limited within a species evolution, um, but it's, it doesn't, there's no new creatures. And this stuff is really complex. And one of the things that, that people can get hung up in when you talk about creationism is, you know, did it take six days? Did it take 4.6 billion years? You know what? I just came to the point where I don't care how long it takes. I don't need to know. I just need to know that there is a creator. And at the end of that, I, I believed, I, I, I believe that God was a creator. Um, in Romans uh, 120, um, it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what, was, what has been made so that people with, are without excuse. I finally agreed with that and I realized I was without an excuse. So I said, okay, all right, fine. I, I think there is a God. Okay, you know, but um, I, again, wasn't ready to, to believe yet. And um, I was at San Jose State up in the science building late one night, and um, it was like midnight. And they had left the, the uh, keys to, the, or they left a lab with all this expensive equipment unlocked in the lab. And I'm thinking, you know, if I wanted to, I could steal all this stuff and I know I wouldn't get away, I, I no one would catch me. And I'm like, you know, if I really believe in survival of the fittest, if I really believe in evolution, then why do I feel this way that I shouldn't steal this? Why do I have that conviction? Um, and so, and, you know, and, and with the creationism mixed with that, I'm like, okay, I think there could be a God, but what does the God look like? Um, uh, uh, slide 16, my flow chart, please. So up in the geology building late at night, you can't really see the flow chart, but I will explain what it is. I started thinking, okay, is there a God? 
is the God a force or is the God a person? Is the, you know, or is, there, is it a Buddhist or are the Buddhists right or are the Christians right or are the Muslims right? Or, um, and then on the Christian thing, it's like, well, there's Catholics and Protestants and um, Jehovah's Witnesses. It's like, which one? And then, so it was like me trying to figure out, you know, because I was <laughs> clearly into science, okay? <laughs> and so I really wanted to know. So then, um, I started to, uh, blank slide please, I started to ask people, um, why do you believe in God? So I wanted to know more. It's like, yeah, Kevin and Steve, they've been yakking at me for a long time, but I wanted to know from different religions and different people. I wanted to hear all these different perspectives. And so I remember I had, uh, I had the LDS missionaries come and they gave me their whole spiel. Um, I was walking in a graveyard and this Jehovah's Witness, which I don't think they believe in hell, <laughs> came up to me because I think they wanted to explain to me their view of the world. Um, you know, I'm like, so, and I'd ask them, I, I'd ask the, the, the missionaries, I asked the, the, the Jehovah's Witness, why do you believe in God? But I remember asking, there was this young lady, she was a, um, she was a daughter of a, a preacher and lived in the dorms and she'd said she was a Christian. And I, I, I said, why do you believe in God? And she just looked at me like a deer in the headlights, like, and just was blank. And I, and I don't know, maybe she thought I was challenging her faith, but she didn't give me a response. Um, but in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, uh, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you your hope as a believer, you must always be ready to explain it. And so we need to be ready and because some people really want to know why you believe. Um, a blank slide. Um, so anyway, all this is going on. And um, uh, Steve and, and Kevin, they're like, hey, Cheryl, there's a special speaker. Um, he's coming from Paducah, Kentucky. Come, you know, come and listen to him. We come and listen to him. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll come and listen to him. Now, um, you, you, you guys aren't going to believe his name, so I, I wanted to show you a picture of him, but um, uh, go ahead and show the picture now. His, his name was Joe Smith. <laughs> yeah, God's got a sense of humor. Anyway, um, so this guy came to speak, and so I came to this meeting. Now, it was not an evangelistic meeting, but God used it anyway. I, I get there, and they sing in some worship songs, so I don't know anything about. And then I still remember the message. He was speaking on the fivefold ministry. Here's this atheist in the classroom uh, listening to this, this message of on the fivefold ministry, right? Anyway, I was bored. I'm like, why am I here? Well, at the end of the uh, message, Joe starts to um, come up to people. Well, and uh, um, he, he says something to some lady up front. Well, then he comes over to my friend, uh, Steve. Remember Steve, the one said, you need to make a decision or you're going to go to hell. He comes up to, now, Joe does not know. Joe has never met Kevin, or excuse me, never met Steve. But Joe comes over to Steve and he goes, um, young man, God says you need to move in more mercy. And you need to not, like, beat people over the head. And I'm just thinking, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's happening. Anyway, I don't know what's happening. Well, then he looks at me. He's like, 
You just need to take it on faith that God is all he says he is. And, and I'm just like, you know, like, okay. And I'm thinking in my mind, I want to know why this guy believes in God. And at that moment, he goes, he goes, I don't know why, but God tells me to tell you why I believe in him. And he was, had been an organic chemist uh, for, for 20 years. And he goes, I was all hung up on law and science. And, and, but, you know, you just need to take it on faith that he is who he says he is. And I just remember thinking, and I'm just like, I just, I remember thinking, these blankety-blank Christians, they just want my money. This is, this is a setup. They've said, look for the girl with the brown hair and the big honking glasses and tell her, you know, tell her this. I, I didn't know what was going on, but I noticed, I looked down, my leg was shaking. <laughs> I was like, hmm. Um, uh, slide, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 24, 25 says, but if an unbeliever or an uninstructed person comes in while everyone is prophesying, he will be convicted and called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart will, heart will be made known. So he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming, God is truly among you. Okay, that didn't happen right away, clearly, but it did, in fact, happen. But, um, I, I mean, he did, he, this guy, Joe, clearly had uh, two words of knowledge. He had a word of knowledge about my friend, Steve, and he had a word of knowledge about me, what was going on in our lives. And because of that, um, uh, it, it, I mean, it really, it's like, okay, maybe something's going on here. I'm willing, I'm willing to go more. Um, so this, uh, this lady came up to me, um, uh, the, do slide 23. Okay, this lady came up to me. She was the perfect lady to come up to me because she um, was getting her master's in geology. And as you remember, I'm a geology student. And she was also the pastor. Her and her husband were pastors of the church. And she's like, hey, would you like to start a Bible study with me? And well, okay, I got time on my hands, right? So I'll, I'll okay, fine. Yeah, I'll do it. So um, anyway, she and I started to, to meet regularly. And um, she started, she, I would come with uh, um, pages of, of questions. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, how does that work? You know, um, this woman had the patience of Job. Um, I, I would ask, you know, she's like the Trinity. I'm like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. You know, God in three persons, how can this work? Uh, I don't get it. Um, and then um, another thing that, um, that bugged me was like, well, how come they kill people in the Bible? It says, thou shall not kill, but then God tells them to go kill, you know, kill, you know, go in, and the Israelites to go, you know, kill, kill some of the people and the inhabitants of the land. How does that work? And it's like, you name it, I came at week after week with pages from my notebook. But she also, in addition to me peppering her with all these questions, um, she took me through John 1. Um, it took like three months to get through John 1, okay? Um, but it's one of my favorite verses of scripture. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. There's the Trinity right there, right? Um, he, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has not been made. 
In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning to that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through him, the world was made. The world was made, um, and the world uh, did not recognize him. He came, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God, the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. Jesus is the word and he became flesh. And by the, after the months of going through that, I, I finally had um, come to the end of my, my, my um, questions I had run out of questions. Um, I was finally convinced that there was there was a God, um, but uh, but I wasn't ready yet. Still, I was not ready. Um, there was a problem, and that problem would be sin. James two nineteen said, "You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder." So there's believing in God and there's obeying God. So I now believe there was a God, and I realized that I had to make a decision, but that wasn't an easy decision. I, it took me a long time. Um, I, really, um, I really struggled with whether I was gonna give up my sin or not. There was a lot of negotiating, like, can I go to one party a month? <laughs> I got about once a year. <laughs> um, can, when, when I say party, it was a, it was a party. I mean, not, you know, a nice glass of wine, right? Um, you know, uh, and I had other lifestyle issues. Um, I had lots of boyfriends that I needed to, to give up. And it was a lot of negotiation, a lot of struggle. I knew that I had to make, make a choice, and it was important to make a choice. Um, and it, it took a while. It was not a, a, a short decision. Um, and I remember thinking, well, you know, this, this sort of seems like a good program. God's got a really good program here for kind of cleaning up the world. I care about, you know, all the corruption in the world. I care about the environment. I remember hearing this story of a Japanese um, businessman who, who had dumped all these toxins into the sea um, by his, his village. And all these children came out with birth defects. And I thought, well, God, if that Japanese businessman had gotten became a Christian, if we changed his heart, then you wouldn't have to legislate it. He would just change. We could change people's hearts. It's like so much more effective. You like, you can legislate all you want, but if you change a heart, you know, so people don't sin, that's a really good thing. I'm like, like, uh, God, I think you really helped me out. I want to change the world. I think you could help me out. <laughs> I just, yeah, that's kind of, that's my worldview, you know. <laughs> I was, it took a long, God had to work a lot of stuff out of me. Anyway, um, what I realized is that I, I had learned a lot, but there was always 
something missing. I, there was something more, which was faith. You have to have faith. You had to have the leap of faith. And, and I remember talking with Kevin and going, well, it seems right, but I still don't know for sure. Where's my proof? You know, I wanted a proof, like the scientific proof. And um, finally, he's like, Cheryl, it's like reaching out for a branch. You've got to just grab the, uh, you know, take a leap and grab the branch and hang on. Um, Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Um, John 20.29 20, says, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen you and have yet believed. So I finally came to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do this. Let's do this. So I cut class because that's how I rolled. Um, and I went out on the mountain, drove out to the mountains. I'm sitting on this mountaintop. I literally sat and I wrote out a five-page prayer. And I said, part of it went like this, God, if you show me your real you'll show me your real. I will serve you. I will give up my, my, my bad habits. I will give them up if you show me your real. And I, then I wrote out the prayer and I prayed the prayer. And then I'm like, they just kept saying, oh, you'll feel different. And I prayed the prayer. I did not feel different. There was no skywriting. There was no burning bush. And I was mad. I was so mad. I drove down that mountain crying, and I'm like, they were wrong. They lied to me. Get back to the dorms. And my friend's like, hey, Cheryl, you want to go get high? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so my first act as a Christian was to go get high. Um, but fortunately, my second act was like, this party is really boring. I'm going to go back to my room and read that book Kevin gave me on um, uh, it was called Mere Christianity. It's really hard to read it when you're but next morning, I, I cut class again, and I went to the Bible bookstore, and I was talking to the Bible bookstore guy, and I'm asking him stuff, and he's like, are you a Christian? And I'm like, no, but I'm thinking about it. And, he, and then I, I remember going to, um, up to Kevin, and he's about a week later, and he's, I'm just like, kind of thinking about it. And, and he goes, well, Cheryl, you just need to pray. And I'm like, I did that. And he goes, he goes well, then you're a Christian. He goes, I'm like, I am? Oh. And then Peggy, she prayed the salvation prayer, you know, like repent from your sin and, you know, Jesus is your Lord. You, I prayed that with her. She just wanted to make sure. But I, I know it happened on the mountaintops. Even if my theology wasn't good, my heart had changed. And, and indeed, I, I really did see my heart um, change and my life to change. My, my mom said I got... There's my sister over there. <laughs> my, my, mom, my mom said uh, that, that I was nicer. <laughs> um, I mean, it was just, it was like this whole new world had opened up to me. I remember just waking up smiling and, and thinking about Jesus. I like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I want to get baptized, like now. Um, I, um, I uh, remember just as I went through the Bible, I, I, I started reading stories like the Good Samaritan. I'm like, oh, that's like the sticker they have on those, on those camper vans. That's, that's in the Bible. I didn't know that. And all this kind of this whole new world had opened up to me and there was just such a joy. I mean, my heart had really changed. Um, about a month into that, I had, um, I went to go get, um, it was time to get baptized. And, um, I remember, um, getting ready to, to go. And I was like, it was going to be uh, like in 15 minutes. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
these guys hear from God. I know they hear from God because they've told me my secrets. You know, that guy in the, and Joe told me my secrets. And I'm like, I don't want to go get baptized. They're going to say that she has doubt in her heart. You know, she has some doubt. And I didn't want to go. And I'm like, I'm just going to go do it. Maybe they won't rat me out. You know. <laughs> um, anyway, so here, show the picture of me at my um, baptism. So there's me getting dunked in, in California in a river. Um, and being very happy at the end. Here, show the last one. Okay, so this is, um, there's two reasons why I'm crying here. This is them um, um, praying over me before I get baptized, and some of the people are um, listening to God and giving me um, their, God's thoughts, um, prophetic words about uh, who I am and what I'm going to do. Um, but, uh, so, so one of the reasons that I'm crying, and that is I felt the manifest presence of God. I'd never felt that before. To me, what that was, it's like my arms were tingling. My legs were tingling. I, I felt overwhelmed. And as, as I become a Christian, it's like I now know it's like when I'm really praying for something or I'm really ministering, I'll feel that same presence. I mean, I know what it is now, but I didn't know what was happening then. But it was overwhelming. The second reason I'm crying is this dude right here. He again had a word, he had, um, he heard from God and had what they call a word of knowledge, which says, uh, which was telling me about my life. And he's, he was telling me how that, that there had been rejection from my dad and there was like a wall of ice between me and my dad. And everything he said was so spot on. So it was like he, he just read my mail. I just wanted to reach over and shut this guy up. I was embarrassed. He was saying this in front, in front of everybody. But what is, what is really um, exciting is that um, it, it was true, but God did, in fact, heal my relationship with my, my dad on the next slide. Um, my dad and I, I, I remember going off to that field camp, those pictures I showed you. I couldn't even hug him. I couldn't even tell him that I loved him. Uh, and I was leaving for two months. And God restored that relationship. I'm not going to say it's perfect, but he is my, you know, he's my friend. Where we are um, 35 years ago is hiking buddies. Here's the next one. That's me and him um, two months ago hiking. And he, he, I remember him giving me a card one day. He goes, it, for my birthday, he says, thank you for being my friend. You know, and it's like that God can restore relationship and bring healing to relationships. Um, uh, Malachi 4, 6, he says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Um, so as I, I grew as a Christian, um, I, I kind of went up and down because I tried to do things in my mind. But, you know, God continued to help me as I, I read the word and um, uh, I learned to pray. I just remember being a new Christian and them saying, well, get a word from God, just pray and get a word. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, I'm just gonna pretend like you're from God. I didn't really hear from God, you know, but as you, you know, you go on, you, I, I, I learned to recognize how he spoke to me, how he um, could, would put thoughts in my mind or um, have a, illuminate a scripture to me or um, uh, um, just give my heart peace when I had to make a decision. Um, and I was really glad to be in a church that believed in signs and wonders, that people heard from God, that people got healed. Um, um, anyway, so, 
slide uh, 41, 1 Peter 3.15. It says, you must worship Christ. It's, or again, it says, if someone asks you about the hope you have as a believer, be ready to explain it. And um, I think we, we need to make sure that we, we know. And so, you know, what would I say if someone came to me and said, you know, why do you, why do you believe in God? Um, a short, short, short answer is like, you know, it's like being in love with somebody. How, you know, how do you, it's a thousand different things, right? You know, it's all the years that you spend with them. It's, um, it's all the little things. And I, I feel like that um, God only, um, he always allows a little room for faith. Like if you say one specific thing, they're like, well, I think I could explain that away. But um, I feel like he, he shows us um, when he speaks to us, it's, it's like, it's like, come a little deeper, trust me a little more. Um, so what would I say? I would say to someone who asked me to say why I believe, first of all, I would say it is his, 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 um, his presence and the be able to be able to communicate with him, um, where he'll give me a thought that, um, that it's just so not where my brain is at, but he'll, he'll, I, so that I'll know it's from him. Um, I remember having to, I was going through a divorce and um, I was like, Lord, this is this house. I'm living in this beautiful house with a, a husband and a child, but I was having to leave because I was getting divorced. And I'm like, I'm, I don't want to leave. And I just remember hearing this voice in my head going, you're going to live lots of beautiful places. And I'm like, that wasn't, wasn't where my head was at, but it was like how God spoke to me. Um, him, him, uh, just knowing different things, um, of, of like when it was time for me to buy my house, I just, I didn't even need to pray about it. Sarah was my realtor. It's like, it's like, oh, it's like, I went in the house and I was there and I'm like, this is it. I know this is it. And I knew that I was supposed to do that. I knew when it was time, but there was just like a knowing, like he gives you that peace. Um, another thing I love about, uh, that I would tell people about why I believe is, he does show signs and wonders. Um, he, I have seen healings. I, I've seen people get prayed for and them tear off their little electrodes that are, are, are stopping them from the pain, blocking the pain and saying, hallelujah, I'm healed. We've seen healings here in this church. Um, uh, I love reading his word. It comes alive to me. Um, that song, that song we sang this morning, I don't know if we sing it again, but oh, I love that. It's just like, it's like, you have broken every chain, salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. He really has broken off the chains, so many chains in my life and delivered me and given me a hope and I have a relationship with him. Um, so I would say to those of you who are believers, don't give up on people. Keep asking them, keep asking them, keep inviting them. You don't know what God's going to do. They might be the person where you're saying, well, if that person gets saved, anybody gets to get saved. Um, and also I'd exhort you to be ready to have an explanation of why you believe. And for those of you who might not be following Jesus, take the leap of faith, jump in. He's good. He will change your life. So thanks guys. Thanks, Cheryl. That was amazing. Um, 
I love her story that she starts in this very existential place of, of being an atheist, not, not wondering. And, and she ends in a place of like, am I going to take my own personal step? And I love that the journey involves uh, uh, an explosive beetle and workflows and uh, a guy named Joe Smith from Paducah, Kentucky. And um, all of these different pieces in the journey, right? And I think sometimes we're, we're trying to, I, I just love how the Lord meets us where we're at in the journey. And there's lots of people who watered in her life, lots of people who just continued to water the love of God in her life. Uh, and, and then it became something for her to take her personal step of faith, her personal leap. So just in, in closing today, I was thinking of this scripture in Romans. Paul says, and he says it very simply, and I like, Cheryl, there, um, how complex your story was, but yet how simple the process was too. And it says, if you confess, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your, with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Isn't that beautiful? We believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths. And that's it. That's that letter that Cheryl wrote. So as we conclude this morning, I want to invite all of us in several areas. One, I want to invite you to um, keep seeking and keep searching and find your, find your explosive beetle that starts unlocking your worldview. That beetle started unlocking her worldview. Um, or if you're at that point of writing that letter and saying, I want to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, do that today. And I want to invite us all to also remember how the Lord will use us to water the love of God. And if you want to be Joe Smith, you can be Joe Smith. So would you pray with me? And if, if you're for the first time saying, I want to believe in my heart and I want to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I just want to lead us in that prayer this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you've revealed yourself as God. And you came as Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord. And so we just simply say this morning, we believe in our hearts that Jesus, you're our Savior. And we confess with our mouths. We say, Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to walk with you. We need salvation. We need our sins forgiven. I need my sins forgiven. So Lord, today I choose to take that personal step I choose in my life to take that personal step to be a follower of Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my sins. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. And be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.